Welcome to the Beeson Podcast coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Sweeney, and I am here today with two beloved members of our community, both of whom are with us to shine a light on Beeson's Certificate in Wesleyan Studies and Beeson's new relationship with one of the Wesleyan bodies we support from the Divinity School, the Global Methodist Church. Dr. Mike Pascarello holds the Methodist Chair of Divinity here at Beeson. He directs our Preaching Institute as well. He has served as a pastor for many years, mostly in North Carolina, before becoming a professor. He teaches preaching most famously, but he also writes and teaches about lots of other things, biblical exegesis, historical theology, worship, spiritual formation, and more. One of Dr. Pascarello's and Beeson's best students is also with us today. His name is Bradley Edwards. Bradley is about to graduate from Beeson Divinity School. He serves as the student minister at Christ Church Birmingham, which is a congregation in the Global Methodist Church. He is the husband to Mary and father to a beautiful baby boy named Elijah. We are grateful that both of you, Dr. Pascarello and Bradley, are with us on the program today. Before we dive into the deep end and discuss Wesleyan church life, Wesleyan theology, let's hear just a little bit more about your work and your lives. Would you tell us how you came to faith in Christ and how you felt that the Lord was leading you into full-time Christian ministry? And maybe, Dr. Pascarello, we could begin with you. Just I'd be glad to. Um, I was raised in a Christian home, and so church was at the very center of my our lives, and my parents were deeply committed to our local congregation. When I was 10 years old, uh, we were having family devotions after dinner, and my mother invited me to give my life to Christ, and I did. Um, Later, as a young adult, um, I had decided to pursue a career in the military, and I was serving as an officer in the United States Marine Corps. But the responsibilities that I had as you can imagine, immerse me in all kinds of uh, human things and dealing with the messiness of life. And in and through that, I sensed the Lord was calling me to leave the military and to go into pastoral ministry. So I returned to school and went to seminary. I was ordained in the United Methodist Church and served United Methodist Churches uh, for almost 20 years in North Carolina. Uh, And towards the latter end of that time, I did a Ph.D., in church history and then have been a professor ever since. So I came to the Wesleyan tradition as a young adult, uh, and I was, I'm profoundly grateful that I did. And I'll just say briefly that what really drew me in and opened my eyes and warmed my heart was our very rich and strong theology of grace of a loving God who seeks us out and his desire is to save us in the, in, in completely and wholly and to make us full and perfect in Christ through his work and the Holy Spirit. And so I've been you know, committed ever since and am grateful to be here to work with our Wesleyan students. Well, what a great way to begin our conversation today. But how about you, Bradley? How did you come to faith? 
how'd you get to seminary? How'd you decide that the Lord wanted you to go into full-time ministry? Like Dr. Pascarello, I was raised in a Christian home. And about at 11 years old, I was diagnosed with brain cancer. And it was through that experience that I came to know uh, Jesus Christ. And over the years, I remember many times saying to my friends, my family, those within my church, um, the very last thing I want to do with my life is end up in ministry. I will do absolutely anything else other than that. Um, it's not because I disliked the church. I loved the church. My family and I were in a United Methodist congregation here in Birmingham. Um, and for me, some of my happiest memories as a child took place within the walls of the church, even before I came to Christ, that was the case. Um, many in my generation have negative experiences in church. I never did. I always had positive experiences. But for some reason, I just felt I, that's the last thing I wanted to do. Um, but as as I grew and my faith matured, I, I reached time to decide what I was going to do uh, after high school. And I decided to go to Huntsville and study uh, history. Um, I did a minor in ancient medieval history. My plan was actually to uh, um, do uh, master's work and eventually doctoral work. Believe it or not, Mongolian history. Hmm. That that was that was the type of history that fascinated me. I did my senior thesis on Mongolian foreign policy in the 13th century. All right. um, I loved that stuff. Um, history holds a very special place in my heart. Um, though towards the end of my senior year in college, um, I became I began to uh, begrudgingly sense the call to ministry. Um, it became clear to me that the Lord uh, had that will for my life. Um, and so when I when I finally accepted that, I gave up on my dream of higher education in history, um, at least the Mongolian history, as it were. Um, and started looking at seminaries, and I was choosing between Asbury and Beeson. And I chose Beeson uh, expressly because of the interdenominational, not non-denominational, but interdenominational atmosphere, because I was uh, thoroughly converted uh, to the love of God, uh, as Wesley would say it, but I was not sure where I lined up within my tradition. Mm. Um, you know, in many ways, I wanted to kind of to leave denominationalism behind because I had seen all the terrible things going on with the United Methodist Church at general conferences. But when I came to Beeson, it was the doctrine of entire sanctification that pulled me back in. How about um, the, the hope and the uh, belief that one day uh, Christ will sanctify us completely, that pulled me back into it all, and now I am thoroughly Wesleyan. Uh, Dr. Pascarella's proud. Before we move on, Bradley, let's give a little shout out to our friends at Christ Church. Uh, mm -hmm. We love them, their people, their new pastor. Tell us just real briefly, what's your ministry role there? Yeah, so I'm, this, I'm the student pastor there at Christ Church, and this is actually the church that I grew up at. And so I've got a lot of very fond memories of my time there. You know, it's, it's very... Um, surreal for me to be sitting in the chair, in the youth pastor chair, when I often sit, sat on the other side of that, talking to whoever the youth pastor was. Yeah. And so it's a very surreal moment for me to be in that office. Yeah. Um, 
but it's a wonderful church family. Um, our senior pastor, Paul Lawler, was an exceptional pastor. He was. Um, however, he is. He is. He is not was. He is. He is an exceptional pastor. Um, but he received a call to go up to um, Memphis to pastor a church there. And my understanding is he's doing wonderfully there, and that church is thriving. Um, and so for a time, we had an interim pastor, Jimmy Acox, done a wonderful job, an incredible job. Um, and it was just announced on April 2nd that uh, our new senior pastor will be Dr. Matt O'Reilly from Hope Hole uh, outside of Montgomery. Uh, he should come sometime in June, and we're, we're very excited about that. Super. Of course, we've had Dr. O'Reilly here at Beeson a number of times mm -hmm. as well. All right, Dr. Pascarello, uh, lots of our listeners probably heard a little bit about the new Global Methodist Church. Um, maybe some don't know much about it at all. Should we just ask you to set the stage for us? Tell us where did this church come from and what's going on in the new Global Methodist Church today? Well, the Global Methodist Church was officially established on the 1st of May, 2022. It's uh, primarily made up of congregations who have decided for doctrinal or moral reasons that they were being led to leave the United Methodist Church. The United Methodist Church has put in place a process called disaffiliation by which congregations, if they follow the full process, uh, should be able to, uh, to leave and transfer to another denomination or remain independent if they so choose. And so as of um, just this past week, I read an update that the Global Methodist Church now comprises approximately uh, 1,400 congregations, mm -hmm. and that number should increase significantly by the end of 2023, and that there are actually more pastors total than there are congregations. Now, how those congregations are distributed around the United States uh, will vary from place to place. More are in the South, the Southeast, maybe the Midwest, and perhaps in New England or the West Coast. But they will be organized uh, according to what Methodist polity has been for a long time into what we call annual conferences, which is similar to a diocese in the, um, say, the Anglican tradition. And they will have presiding elders or bishops, as we refer to them. And uh, some of, some provisional annual conferences are already in place, and that includes here in North Alabama and uh, Bradley will be ordained in the provision, the annual conference of North Alabama, the Global Methodist Church in August, and we're grateful. He will be our first graduate to do so. Last thing I would add is the Global Methodist Church extends beyond the United States, and there are churches now who are affiliating with them from Europe and Africa and other places, and they will continue to do so. And at the heart of their desire to be a church is to not lose what has always been important in Methodism, and that is a very strong evangelical missional movement. Um, as John and Charles Wesley said, they had been called in England in the 18th century to spread scriptural holiness, right, throughout the land to reform the nation and the church. Scriptural holiness is at the heart of Wesleyan theology. And the Global Methodist Church is a desire, uh, like has been expressed in our past history, 
by newly emerging expressions of Methodism to recover scriptural holiness, both in thought and in practice, and in a very strong evangelical missional way. And I'm pleased to say Beeson Divinity School is one of a small handful of schools that have already been approved uh, as seminaries that can prepare uh, Global Methodist Church clergy. And Dr. Pascarella, you played a pretty big role uh, in helping us to bring that about. What are a few of the other seminaries that are part of that list? Asbury, of course, is on that list. Asbury, um, United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, Truett School of Theology at uh, Baylor University. They have what's called a Methodist House of Studies. Wesley Biblical Seminary That's in right. Jackson, yeah, in Mississippi. Jackson. That's right. That's well right. named. Right. And so far, those are the ones that are approved as recommended seminaries. Yeah. That's great. Bradley, I'm told it, it didn't dawn on me till I was getting ready to interview the two of you today. You're the first Beeson student to graduate with a Wesleyan certificate. Is that true? I believe so. Oh, you are special, Bradley. I'm telling you. <laughs> I think it's because of timing. I don't think it's anything other than that. Well, in the providence of the Lord, uh, we've had this new Wesleyan certificate just for a couple of years, so there wouldn't be many, uh, although there are others in the pipeline who will follow you. What's it been like to be part of this Wesleyan certificate program? Kind of help the dean sell the Wesleyan certificate program a little bit to potential students and pastors who may be listening. You know, I remember um, when I first came to Beeson, there is a stigma out there that Beeson is a place for Baptists. Mm -hmm. Now, Baptists have a good home here, but so do many yes. other traditions. And that's a one that's one of the things that drew me to Beeson. Um, and so in my tradition, when someone says I'm Reformed, uh, the background that I come out of, what they mean is that they came to Christ out of alcohol abuse or drug abuse or perhaps out of prison. And so when I get to Beeson and people start saying, I'm Reformed, I'm very confused. <laughs> and You don't know whether to thank the Lord or to oppose them on matters of doctrine. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, it took me a while to figure out what they meant is... I'm Calvinist. And so I, I love my Calvinist brothers and sisters here um, greatly. I've learned so many wonderful things from them. And when I first came here, there was not many Methodist students, at least even Methodist in leaning um, in their tradition. Over the time that I've been here, we've had a considerable influx in Methodist students where we can have uh, Wesleyan Fellowship lunches, where we invite a pastor from the area to come and discuss what it's like being in a Wesleyan tradition and what ministry is like in that context. Um, it's been great to spend time with other Wesleyan students here at Beeson um, and learn from um, professors like Dr. Pascarello and Dr. Sterling. Um, and they're not all in the Global Methodist Church, right? We have no. some United Methodist students, mm -hmm. some Nazarenes. Mm -hmm. Who else? Uh, Dr. We, Sterling is African-American, African Methodist Episcopal Church. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I will jokingly say to some of my dear Anglican friends, they're Wesleyans and just don't realize it. We have some, some people out of the Pentecostal tradition, which would also claim Wesleyan um, wonderfully. And so there is a, a influx of Wesleyan leaning folks that are coming here to Beeson. And it's been a great experience to study among them um, and learn from them, uh, learn from their different traditions and spend time with them in class and outside of class. So, Dr. Pascarello, I've got a twofold question for you. One is, can you help prospective seminary students who are thinking about Beeson 
understand from a curricular point of view what they would be in for if they want to be part of our Wesleyan certificate. Mm -hmm. And then related to that, but secondly, could you explain why in your view an interdenominational evangelical seminary like Beeson is actually a good place for Wesleyan students to come? Sure. I'd be glad to. Thank you. I see as a Wesleyan, being at Beeson Divinity School is a major plus in that we're not all Wesleyan here. We're interdenominational. And I find that being in an interdenominational setting makes it actually easier for me to be very clear about my Wesleyan convictions and my Wesleyan tradition, not in competition or in opposition to others, but in comparison to them. And that is a major strength of Beeson Divinity School in that we highly value the study of Scripture and the great tradition of the church, as did John and Charles Wesley. And there, there is no doubt about it that we Wesleyans are evangelical. We believe that we're grounded in the apostolic faith and witness of the church. And at the same time that we're Catholic with a small c, that doesn't mean Roman Catholic, but that does mean of the whole church, of the whole church. And so this is a a rich environment for Wesleyans to experience something of what it was like even with the original Methodists in England, uh, where they began as a small group called the Holy Club in Oxford. And in addition to that, um, we value highly the combination or the integration of just rigorous theological study and spiritual formation, which once again, I think, really characterized the Wesleys. John Wesley is not known as one of the great systematic theologians of the church like others are. He you, He's not like, say, Karl Barth or John Calvin. Yet he had a, a very strong and keen theological mind and that he was able to integrate as well as perhaps anyone in the history of the church, uh, the intellectual life, the moral life, and the spiritual life and how all they work together in the whole person and in the community together uh, around the Lordship of Jesus Christ and through the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So we have tried in our Wesleyan Certificate Program to, to create a space for our students to have something of that kind of learning and formative experience that I would say is, you know, can be distinctively Wesleyan in a, in a setting where it's respected and valued and encouraged. Mm. And so in terms of program of study, what do mm-hmm. students study if they're in our Wesleyan track? Well, we have two required courses in the certificate. Bradley's been in both of them. Uh, we do um, Wesleyan history and doctrine. And we we situate the Wesleyan tradition within the Church of England, but even extend beyond uh, behind that to the medieval and early church with its roots in scripture. And then we go forward uh, to American Methodism and then finally the expansion of Methodism now to be a, a global church or a global movement and how it is developed and spread and um contextualized itself in uh, a whole variety of settings 
while still uh, maintaining this strong commitment to Wesleyan distinctives and Wesleyan mission. Uh, we all, as Bradley uh, referred to earlier, we meet once a month uh, over lunch after chapel. And uh, we just met today, uh, and we invite pastors that we know uh, are very strongly committed to the classical uh, teaching of the church, the Trinitarian doctrine, and intentionally live as Wesleyans and work as Wesleyans as pastors. And that kind of uh, informal setting for us, I think, has just been very, very valuable and very helpful. And in addition to that, you know, because we're a... uh, a school that's smaller than many others, uh, the Wesleyan students know who I am and they know that I'm available and accessible and we get together individually and just we talk about their formation, their growth, their trajectory and ministry and I do all I can to try to guide them and encourage them in that process. So I think, you know, given the fact that we've, we've got this wonderful new beginning with the Global Methodist Church, Beeson Divinity School is a good place to be if you're a Wesleyan. Mm. And Bradley, for people listening who may consider not only following in your footsteps through the Wesleyan Certificate Program at Beeson, but perhaps even um, into ordination in the Global Methodist Church, tell us a little bit about what that entails. I mean, I know it's a new denomination. Things are just coming together. And you're one of the early people to seek ordination uh, as a new ordinand in the GMC. But what's involved in that? How difficult is it and what do you do to be ordained? So I'll begin by saying that my case is a little bit different than uh, most other people are experiencing right now. Because when I started at Beeson, I was encouraged by who was then my pastor, Paul Lawler, to begin the process in the UMC. Now, the big issue there, of course, was that Beeson was not approved by the UMC and never will be. Um, And so I got as far as I could in the process, about two years into the process, until the education requirement was the only thing that I was lacking. And that that is a long, quite a long process. The time I spent in that process to get to the same point in the GMC will take roughly six months. Um, It is a much faster process. Um, I, as I am getting information myself about people, people behind me, what they need, I'm passing it along to Dr. Pascarello so he can have the information for students that are seeking it. Um, today, I got my hands on a candidacy guidebook that I also sent to Dr. Pascarello that lays out the steps very clearly. Um, if someone is interested in this, the first thing that they need to do is make sure they're a member of a global Methodist church or or a and have been for a year, or a global Methodist church that was once of another denomination, but they need to have been a member of the congregation for a year, and then they can contact um, their pastor, who will get them in touch with their local uh, board of ordained ministry. And as far as uh, the education goes, Beeson was just approved by the GMC, as you've stated. I worked to get my credits approved before that happened. So um, I had to work with um, the education team and the GMC 
and making a case for each of my classes and why they should count for their requirements that they set. And that was about a month and a half to two month process of going back and forth with them. And so I'm very grateful that students behind me won't have to deal with that mm. uh, because that was not a not a uh, enjoyable experience. There's a <laughs> Thanks lot. Thanks for blazing that trail for us. I, I've got it. You know, I've got some email chains that are 50 emails long. Wow. Um, and so. Um, the process is a lot shorter than it is in the UMC, but it keeps the good things. It keeps the greatest things of ensuring that a person is properly trained, properly educated, mm. and that they are properly spiritually formed for the work within the church of ministry. So what are a couple of those good things that they kept? A couple of those really good things, again, are the education requirements. Um, it has been modified uh, to make uh, the route less expensive, shall we say, in some cases, but you end up taking pretty much the same courses, arguably it'd be shorter to get an MDiv. Um, but we there's an odd place in the UMC where some, some pastors have uh, half the requirements, some don't have any, and so there's a lot of work being done there. Um, but one of the one of the things that I loved about what I experienced of the process in the UMC, and I never intended to be ordained in the UMC because I knew I couldn't, but my credentials or how far I got transferred over, is that the time you had to spend meeting with an elder regularly every single week um, and reflecting on what what call means, what the what call to ministry is. Um, and ensuring that someone is properly prepared for what kind of life that will be. And it's not just someone deciding one day, oh, I want to be a pastor. I'm going to go and, and apply to a church. It's it's a longer process where you're properly equipped. Yeah. All right, Bradley. So uh, we're going to graduate you in a few weeks here and kind of send you off into the church. We hope you won't be a stranger. You'll keep coming back a lot. But as you reflect at the end of your Beeson student career on your time at Beeson, what do you think about? Are there any particularly special memories you think you'll take with you? If, if somebody who doesn't know anything about Beeson and is trying to explore seminaries and wants to hear from you about what you like best about Beeson, what would you say? Man, that's not an easy question. Uh, so if you were to give me one, if you were to give me my transcript, I could point to every class I've taken and given you an exceptional experience I had in that class or a nugget that will help me in ministry. So that's not a really fair question. But I think if I had to point to one thing, I spent most of my time here at Beeson working in the media center, kind of on the other, the other side of the podcast. And I think the most uh, the, the the special experiences that I had at Beeson were the times sit sitting in the media center with Rob and dear friends and just discussing ministry and like, how do we really do this? How is this a life that we actually uh, live outside of the classroom? Where, where do we make that connection? Mm -hmm. And I think that might be my, my, uh, my experience that I take uh, from Beeson. It's not just the classes, but it's the community you build while you're at Beeson as well. Yeah, that's right. So thank you, Rob Willis, our faithful media yeah. manager, who is thank also you. a Beeson alumnus and a wonderful minister of the gospel. Bradley, Dr. Pascarello knows this because he's been on the program before. Uh, you know this probably because you have edited Beeson podcast episodes before. We always like to conclude 
these interviews by asking our guests what the Lord is teaching them these days, what the Lord is doing in their lives these days, so that we can conclude on a note that really edifies uh, those who are listening in a very personal way. So I ask you, Bradley Edwards, what's the Lord teaching you these days? Yeah, you know, I'm in this um, time in my Beeson curriculum. I'm, I've got a few weeks left till I graduate. Um, but the final year of Beeson, as always, we do our supervised ministry practicums where, you know, Lord willing, we're, we're plugged into a church deeply the entire time we're at school. But when we do our supervised ministry practicums, we, we really got to be connected into the church. And sometimes that's in the category of an internship. In my case, it's in the category of employment, which I'm very grateful for. And so I'm in this phase where I'm taking what I've learned in the classroom and what I've learned sitting around with classmates discussing, and I'm applying it. Um, and I think one of the things that the Lord is teaching me is to not disparage the little moments um, because there's a lot going on in my life and in the life of the Global Methodist Church right now. There's countless moving pieces, and it's easy to lose track. Um, this past weekend, I had the opportunity, and I'm grateful for this, to be able to preach on a Sunday morning. We had our confirmation students that have gone through mm -hmm. class taking vows before uh, the congregation and the congregation taking vows uh for them, and then the students served communion. And so logistically, this weekend, there was a lot of moving pieces. But I got the opportunity. Um, there was a man in the congregation. He was not physically able to come to the altar to receive communion. And so I got the opportunity to take communion to him um, and serve him communion on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And that, that was um, <coughs> perhaps the most special experience I've had in a long time. Mm. Um, and so I think God is, is teaching me in this time to pay attention to the things that we, we think seem small, uh, but we only think it's small because we're focused on so many other things and so many moving pieces. Yeah. What a privilege to serve as a minister in the Church mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dr. Pascarello, uh, you get the last word. What's the Lord teaching you these days? Well, I had an experience this morning I'd like to share and how the Lord just just uh, stirred hope in me. Uh, uh, another responsibility I have here is to direct the Doctor of Ministry program, and one of our Doctor of Ministry students um, defended his dissertation this morning. Um, he's a man who spent almost 30 years in the military, retired, and, and he and his wife discerned that God was calling them to be missionaries to Tanzania. And he's been there since 2011. And he didn't go armed with a lot of money and structural support or institutional support. And as Bradley just said, he started very small. And he trusted that the Lord would, would guide him and direct him. And he learned as he went. And how he saw the necessity, to use his words, to decrease so that the Tanzanian pastors and churches might increase. And he went not as, I've come here to help you because I have everything you need. I come here to serve you and help you to see what God has already given you and what God is already doing. I won't take time to, to describe how that ministry has flourished 
in the formation of networks of pastors, training institutes, Bible colleges, but it has now moved to South Sudan and Kenya and even Liberia. Um, and this is uh, the vision that one person had with his wife, prayerfully asking what God wanted them to do and simply offering what they had. And, you know, here in North America, we live in a time where there's, there's great conflict, including in the church. We hear all the time about the church declining. That we, we lack resources. We lack this. We lack young people who are going in ministry. We talk a lot about what we lack and what we don't have anymore, what we used to have. And, and that makes it very easy to lose hope and to fall into despair where we may continue to stay in ministry, but, but our heart's no longer in it because we've lost confidence in the promises of God and, and, the, and the goodness of God. And uh, Jim Larson this morning, uh, you know, just in walking us through his project uh, from Tanzania and, and what he's experienced there, where the Lord just said to me, there's no reason to lose hope, especially with it being Holy Week mm -hmm. and us about to celebrate the resurrection of his crucified son and all that that means you know, for the world, for creation and for our ultimate future. So the Lord teaches me a lot through the things I do here as I listen, and I'm thankful. That's wonderful. Listeners, you have been hearing Dr. Mike Pascarello and Bradley Edwards. And by way of reminder, Dr. Pascarello serves as the Methodist Chair of Divinity here at Beeson. He directs the DMIN program, as he just mentioned. He directs our preaching institute. He's a busy man. And one of the things he has been busy doing is supervising the studies of Bradley Edwards, uh, who is graduating in just a few weeks. Bradley uh, serves as a minister at Christ Church here in Birmingham, where he will continue to serve after his graduation. Thank you very much, brothers, uh, for helping our listeners understand what it's like to be a Wesleyan student here at Beeson Divinity School. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Please pray for our Wesleyan students and the churches they are serving and will serve. We love you, and we say goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at BeesonDivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes.